In 2016, San Diego okayed the installation of a smart streetlight system. They look like large wireless routers affixed to a street lamp and use cameras to collect information on traffic, pedestrian counts, and weather. The installation went largely unnoticed, but last year, San Diego police used the cameras to solve several crimes. That revelation raised eyebrows among privacy advocates who are now part of a diverse coalition demanding the city create an ordinance that sets restrictions on who can access the data. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. To get a deeper understanding of this Smart Streetlights program, we have two reporters in the studio right now, Lori Weisberg, who's on the business desk, and Terry Figueroa, who covers a variety of things, including breaking news. So let's step back a little bit. Exactly what is this program and what kind of data does it obtain? So what's at issue is a program called the Smart Streetlights. And um, what it is is... um, Uh, Well, what's controversial about it is that they are these streetlights. There's about 4,200 when the project is all done. There's 3,200 right now around the city. Mm -hmm. They're streetlights with um, sensors on top of them. And those sensors have video. And they're capturing. They're looking down at the ground. They're they're in the public right away. But they're capturing things like how many passengers, I mean, uh, 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 pedestrians walk by or how many cars go by or how many people on bikes go by. And they turn that into data. Mm-hmm. that they also happen to be the eyewitness to crimes. Mm-hmm. And so police are interested in them as well. Um, these were initially started with the city as an energy-saving device. They were going to install these uh, LED lights throughout the city, and, and this contract was signed back in 2016, and um, it was going to save the city $125,000 a month. Um, and it seemed like a really great thing. And somewhere along the way we came to realize that there was more to this than just these street lights, these LEDs. They actually did include these surveillance um, sensors. And that uh, created a lot of controversy mm-hmm. because people were very concerned. Hey, wait a minute, you're putting surveillance in our neighborhoods and, and we didn't even know? Mm-hmm. And, and you know what's fascinating about that is, as, as Terry pointed out, they signed the contract in 2016. Um, and... Yes, with the idea that it would be energy-saving, but it did have this surveillance capability, this crime-solving capability, and the police themselves had no idea it had this even existed until 2018, which Terry learned. That's absolutely true. Yes, the the department uh, came across this in 2018 and, and said, wait, wait, you have what? Yeah, can you imagine? Here's as much data as you could ever want for an investigation just there. And so what happened was in August of 2018, the city police department was able to access um, data from the cameras and solve uh, a crime mm-hmm. or at least uh, see an incident. Um, early on, one of the things that the cameras did was it helped actually to exonerate a person, um, if you will, that person that had been arrested after a, uh, a deadly confrontation in downtown. So ultimately that was deemed to have been self-defense and that's because of what the cameras caught. Um, in the, gosh, what is this, 18 months since, mm-hmm. August 2018 till now, till last week, the police have now accessed those cameras 246 times to view um, footage that were taken from those those smart street light cameras. Um, the thing is, is that the they can't access these cameras for every single crime. It has to be a very serious crime, a mm-hmm. homicide. Uh, in addition, they have to 
the crime has to meet a certain certain level, and and they have to access the footage within five days. Interesting. So so what's the thing is though is that is that while police find these to be and and they've repeatedly said a game changer for them, the concern is that there was surveillance put up in these neighborhoods and nobody knew about it, mm-hmm. and news of that was. Uh, disconcerting mm-hmm. for a lot of folks and um, there has been a lot of pushback trying to figure out wait a minute what are you doing what are you taking what are our privacy rights uh, do these have you know what, what is the technology mm-hmm. on these um, cameras um, the city says that these cameras do not have uh, automated license plate readers mm-hmm. they do not have facial recognition technology um, the city says that they don't have the audio capabilities turned on um, and that they're just looking straight down, sort of at the street below. They're not catching private property. Mm-hmm. But still, there's there's so many questions about you know where are the cameras and um, what what they're seeing. There's also a whole separate path of pushback, and that's with regard to what's up with the data. What happens to all of this data? Can you describe how this data is kept and kind of how it's structured? Because this is one of those things that can be kind of hard to understand. Like, how anonymized is this information? It, it is. It is very complex. And um, so, the way I understand it is the the cameras collect data. They they have these images, and those images mm-hmm. are, are turned into alphanumeric numbers. In my head, they're ones and zeros. Yeah. Yesterday. I think what's interesting is the city attorney's office put out a report, kind of a Q&A, mm-hmm. and what it, what it does and doesn't do. And they divide it into what they call source data, which are, the, I think, those the, the images and the video and the, and the audio. And then they call – and then they have this other category called event data, which is that alphanumeric code mm-hmm. translation. So that, that data that has the video and the audio recordings – Presumably, can only be accessed by the police department or for um, through a court-ordered subpoena. Mm-hmm. And but that that source, uh, excuse me, that event data, they, that that coding that we're talking about, which would be like Greek, I think, to most of us, is stored in their cloud. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that that is publicly available, and that's even something on their site that that shows uh, developers of apps of how to translate that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, on the surface, I can't tell how how vulnerable that is, or dangerous that is, or helpful. It's not clear. Can't you know? Maybe hackers, but who? What do you do with that data? And again, they they're saying that it is sort of you know anonymous to a degree. Um, mm-hmm. They give an example of like a a red Subaru. You can see the Subaru, but you can't see the license plate. And but it's still very unclear to me. Um, in this other techno- technological world, what that alphanumeric code does. Mm-hmm. And always, it's not just the data itself, it's kind of the intent and the ability of someone with that data to do something with it. Like, I believe the most low-hanging fruit when it comes to these sensors are temperature information. I, there's actually one, like, literally 200 feet from my apartment, and I clicked on it on the website, and it said, the temperature is this, the humidity is this, and that's all that it said on the little map thing. But clearly, there's much more than just a little mini weather sensor right there. Right, right. And I, and I um, you know, there was some concern about you know, is this targeting marginalized communities? So they do have this map that you can go on. The city has this map, and you could see all the little blue dots of where these thousands of sensors are. And 
at first blush, it does look like it's all over the place from, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, wealthier subs, suburbs in the North County all the way to San Ysidro, downtown, you know, everywhere. So it doesn't seem like it's unevenly dispersed. Um, but still, the fact, as Terry pointed out, is that you came up with a policy, you came up with a plan to do this in 2016, but you never thought about the... Uh, the ideas of invasion of privacy. And so um, now I think they're moving toward that. I guess Terry was at a meeting today where they mm-hmm. discussed that. Yes, and, and there was a, a, a lot of concern that um, all of this this surveillance technology, if you will, was put up without discussion. You know, mm-hmm. was this done in the, in the, in the shadows? Um, and so they're still trying to figure out, you know, the city, I went to a city committee meeting today and... Um, they, they didn't want just a policy. They were they were evaluating a policy as to um, govern the data from these streetlights, and they wanted more than a policy. They wanted an ordinance, mm-hmm. and they wanted more public input into into all of this process. The data that they gather is more than just the the videos that you know police can use. Mm-hmm. What they can do with these um, is what, what the city says is, hey, we can get real time data. And we can um, ease parking. We can we can you know let people know where there's parking is available over here or or those sorts of things that they say can have a real public benefit, real time use. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the the selling points. So uh, in San Diego, who are the electeds and other leaders that are kind of leading this charge about? Hey, why did this happen? Why aren't we told until now? What's the kind of political scene right now? Really, this has been a grassroots pushback. Um, there is a coalition um, that calls itself Trust San Diego, Trust SD, uh, and they are the ones that are responsible for this pushback. They're saying, hey, we need to know more. This was all done you know, in secret. Why didn't we know about all of this capability? And what about our privacy rights? And are we targeting you know, marginalized or, 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 or communities that are, that are typically – um, targeted, they they raised some serious concerns, and um, they have gone and spoken to lots of public officials about this, mm-hmm. um, and it, it has become a real a real contentious issue. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, yesterday, the um, in advance of this meeting that was coming up today, City Attorney Mara Elliott held a press conference to um, essentially def- to defend this this program and how. It's been effective in crime fighting, and um, and so she held this news conference to showcase that. But the group, uh, led by Genevieve Jones Wright, showed up at the press conference, and essentially, when Mara Elliott's news conference was over, she had this impromptu one of her own, in which she was very critical of Mara Elliott, claimed she had conflict of interest because she owns Stockton General Electric and a subsidiary of General Electric is um, handling this program. Uh, she was just, she was very critical, you know, that, that, that the city didn't deal with a policy to begin with. And I think to a degree at this meeting that Terry covered today, um, they are looking at it in the same way that Genevieve Jones Wright is. And it looks like they want a more comprehensive policy. But it, you could, there was, you could see the tensions really came to the fore yesterday in this, in this um, news conference. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what was interesting about, um, the, the takeaway from the meeting today is that the the members of it was the uh, public safety and livable neighborhoods 
a committee, which is made up of, of um, some city council members. And what they said was, we want more than a policy. We want an ordinance. And we don't want just to focus on the narrow issue of these smart streetlights, as they are called. We want to develop an ordinance with the overarching concerns regarding surveillance, mm-hmm. um, you know, license plate readers, all kinds of, of issues that they would like to uh, kind of ha- address in an umbrella. Because mm-hmm. certainly when it comes to any issue of surveillance and kind of algorithmic data gathering, inherent biases that are within the code or whoever built it have real ramifications for people. And it makes sense that these marginalized communities are the first to speak up because oftentimes they're the first affected by these biases that are literally put into software. And this whole discussion is not unlike what you're seeing in social media and how we're tracked, you know, by our Facebook and Instagram and our smart speakers. And it's this idea of who's watching us. And I think it's um, bled into now this this whole debate. So finally, what are we expecting next with this issue? So at this point, um, the it appears that the city will be um, city staffers will be going back and and trying to draft an ordinance. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, who will have a seat at that table as they try to to address that. But certainly the the committee members today said that they wanted some public input. All right, Lori Weisberg, Terry Figueroa, thank you both so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. In other public safety news. The San Diego Sheriff's Department just unveiled a new helicopter. At the cost of $5.4 million, the new helicopter can carry up to seven people, a major increase from previous ones that only held two. It also has an improved camera, can fly longer on less gas, and has sliding doors. The department currently has 10 helicopters in its fleet. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m., On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.